This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Anne-Marie Schieber of Healthcare News. Is the Biden administration trying to bring back masks? Now, recently, the Department of Health and Human Services released a report on long COVID. And there it is on page 41 under recommended ideas, quote, encourage or mandate policies and protocols regarding masking and social distancing in public spaces. Should we be worried about this report? I am pleased to have as my guest today, Rick Mehta. Rick is a former consumer safety officer at the FDA. He is an adjunct professor and attorney at Georgetown University Law Center. He's a biotech entrepreneur, pharmacist, and also was a candidate for U.S. Senate in New Jersey in 2020. Welcome. Hey, great to be on with you. Thanks for having me. So how seriously should we take this report? Well, that is a million-dollar question. So I'll tell you, scientifically, I put no weight into this report. I mean, this report was not designed by healthcare professionals, scientists. Uh, the Coforma report that you're talking about was created by a team of visual graphic designers. That being said, uh, the American public should be very concerned about how much weight the federal government under the Biden administration gives this report. And given the unpredictability, the flip-flopping that we've seen with the CDC, uh, I think these types of reports that would normally be shelved uh, may come back to be used as foundational guidance um, to push, you know, uh, either mandatory restrictions or serve as the basis for some outlandish public health policy that's not driven by scientific information. Now, I am just, it's hard to get through this report. It's very glossy, you're right, and it's uh, 41 pages. Uh, It's really a a case for uh, a social science discussion, really more than science, as you mentioned. Is there anything specifically in the report that you've seen that leads you to believe that they can really push hard on these mask mandates, other than the quote that I mentioned earlier? Well, you know, like you said, I mean, the the report is glossy, right? And I really hope and pray for the integrity of our public health system uh, that the Biden administration brings back hard science, statistically significant reports, and actual research and study designs back to the table uh, when making public health decisions, not what we call uh, customer journey experiences. Unfortunately, what this report has done is it's taken COVID, uh, and in particular, a very narrow subset of patients that suffer from long COVID, and made that the single most important public health issue, uh, in large part ignoring the other public health issues that we currently face, whether it's uh, mental health challenges, suicide rates, social isolation, uh, and loneliness, and has used that as a basis based on customer survey data, uh, you know, interviews, uh, and serving that as the basis for bringing back something so significantly uh, important with sweeping implications, uh, namely social distancing and mandatory masking mandates, uh, back to the table. Uh, you know, again, I really hope the CDC doesn't put too much weight, but given that they've probably spent a couple million on consultants to put this report together, I'm sure we're going to see it surface in some some aspect. Yeah, I mean, from reading this report, I mean, I've heard of long COVID and not to diminish suffering from from that virus. But 
I mean, it sounds like they're repackaging something and calling it new. You know, chronic illness is not strange to us. Many people suffer from chronic conditions uh, for, for decades. I mean, you know, we have chemo brain and you're, like you mentioned, uh, suicide uh, concerns and a host of things. Um, but, you know, you could see, I mean, is there, um, I mean, maybe you could tell us exactly how the federal government can compel people to wear masks based on this kind of presentation, this kind of marketing. Well, you, you know, so the CDC itself was never meant to be a regulatory or an enforcement agency, right? They were meant to house uh, the, a scientific basis for providing guidance. And truly, the public health powers are couched within the states. You know, under the Tenth Amendment, uh, public health powers come from our police powers that are reserved for state rights. That being said, I think states, and we've seen this on the political spectrum, more that are uh, blue-leaning than red-leaning, uh, give very strong deference to the CDC. And so if the CDC says, hey, listen, you know, bring back masking mandates or bring back or bring in uh, vaccine uh, mandates, then a lot of blue states blindly follow those uh, recommendations. Uh, and so what we've seen over time, uh, and we've seen this where CDC during the public health emergency, and, and it's to be said that right now we are still under, two years later, a, a federal declaration of a public health emergency, uh, which gives more broad, broad spe sweeping powers to the federal government uh, to start to try to institute um, some of these mandates. But we've seen the Supreme Court strike down uh, many of these overreaching mandates. Uh, and then more recently, the Supreme Court refused to hear uh, a case of New York City workers that wanted to, you know, be like release them from the uh, vaccine uh, mandates. And so, you know, again, I think the CDC will exert its influence over state public health departments and public health uh, states within the public health departments can start to institute uh, these masking requirements. Well, I, I'm based in Michigan. You're in New Jersey, and or you've seen New Jersey. I mean, the, the blue states is where these draconian measures really hit hard. And you could see that again, once again. I mean, you know, what's interesting is at the beginning of 2022, it seemed like the blue states and the Democrats, I know this went on in New Jersey, here in Michigan, all of a sudden masks went away, that they weren't as important as they were just a few months ago. And um, you could kind of figure that they were perhaps, you know, gearing up for the big midterm election. Uh, do you think that was intentional? I mean, that, you know, it, it, we're starting to see this possibly now with this report. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, political science played heavily versus medical science. And actually, if you look at the report, let's even get a little bit more granular and scientific. Right? We're not talking about masking generally. So masking, and there's a lot of data out there that set, suggests the opposite, that masking is ineffective. And theoretically, if everyone strapped on an N95 mask, could we uh, decrease the amount of viral transmission? And yes, that is possible. But that's not what we're talking about here, right? We're not, we're talking about turning our teachers and educators into public health police, right? You send kids to school, you force them to start to wear masks. Then it comes down to, well, what type of mask do they have on? You know, you have these, you know, what I, I think people were colloquially referring to as face diapers, right? These cloths that go over their mask. That's not doing anything. 
That's not stopping droplets. That's not stopping viral transmission. Uh, and so that was the problem. There was not ever going to be a consistency to say, here is a heavily regulated medical device, an N95 respiratory mask that's used to stop viral particles from transmitting. Uh, and everyone has to have it on in order to decrease uh, the virus. And so that scientific basis is missing in this report in particular that says masking in general will either reduce COVID or long COVID. Uh, and the other issue being long COVID is something that happens after you've already been exposed. So how is the mask going to stop <laughs> the development or furtherance of long COVID? Makes no sense. Uh, and how would social distancing help uh, with to add on to these um, tools that they think is going to be used to reduce COVID or long COVID? I mean, at this point, everyone has been arguably exposed to COVID. Yeah. I mean, I, I was really struggling looking in this report as to what basis they would have for recommending masks for long COVID because technically they've been exposed to the virus. Like, well, how is a mask going to help them? Um, you know, if anything, they could maybe, you know, use RSV, which is more of a problem for children if you're talking about schools and masks than anything. But again, um, I, I just don't get it. You know, I, also in this report are mentions of discrimination and victimization. Uh, the report is uh, full of anecdotes of how people have been harmed by long COVID, losing their homes, losing their cars. I mean, you're right. It's more about social determinants uh, and factors like that. So I'm not sure like how they think they're going to sell this connection that you got to mask up and put up the plexiglass um, barriers again to stop something called long COVID. Yeah. Well, and that's the other issue is that when you're talking about social distancing, you also can't ignore social isolation. You know, the, the health risks associated with loneliness uh, and notwithstanding that masking has created um, also issues with learning, education, uh, you know, and furthering uh, our ability to further their education, that's a real issue, right? And we are not looking at the long-term impact and looking at it from a holistic public health approach. And that's the issue with these types of reports that makes COVID the only single public health issue that this country is facing, which we know is not the case. Now, you mentioned RSV. They're calling it a uh, triple-demic, you know, pandemic between influenza, RSV, uh, and COVID. RSV being around uh, for a very long time with less variants uh, versus COVID, which has high mutation rates. You know, when you're talking about masking, again, you know, just to reiterate this point, even if you start to give mandate masking on children, unless it's the N95 that fits snugly around their face. Now, what educator is going to serve as that public health police to make sure every single day uh, that's being done? Kids are going to be exposed. In fact, there was a report out of, uh, I believe, your state in Michigan with the hospitals being overrun with RSV cases and pediatric patients, they said a lot of it had to do with the fact that children hadn't been exposed to other viruses in the health, in their, you know, school setting, in the daycare setting. Uh, and so they're not creating their natural antibodies post-exposure. Uh, and this has led to worse outcomes that they've seen, you know, in years. And so, again, you know, there will be people that are affected. And I'm not saying you know, there isn't an issue with long COVID. I mean, absolutely. But you have to layer that into all of the other public health issues 
that our country is facing and other health conditions that people are experiencing uh, in its totality and not make sure that putting weight on one is not going to increase a worser outcome, such as we've seen with suicide, mental health, uh, and other challenges that we continue to face as a country. Well, I, I suppose we could probably speak the next hour on this next question, but if the Biden administration and uh, HHS really wanted to do something to help people with long COVID, what could they do? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great question. Research. Get back to hard science. Stop wasting money on these visual design customer journey reports that have no grounding in science. Get back to medical innovation. Uh, one thing we know is that our country was leaders with medical innovation. Um, and, you know, when you now look at the treatments that are available, uh, you're looking at a significant reduction in hospitalizations and severe infections related to COVID. Uh, unlike when the start of COVID, in today's world, People are not dying. We do not have high case fatality rates related to COVID. Uh, will there be continuing you know, issues and injury related to COVID? Yes. Put that money towards research. Uh, get the right science that we need to solve this problem. Uh, and if they truly want to be helpful, then get down to the real nuts and bolts of COVID. Where did it come from? Uh, how did it start? And so we can do a better job of predicting what the future of this virus is going to be. We've seen that the newer variants are highly contagious, but low case fatality rates. What is that? Should that serve as a basis for what the future of other viral threats to our country will be? You know, viruses aren't going away. There's thousands of different viruses that we live with every day. Uh, you know, for example, if you had West Nile virus or Ebola that has a high case fatality rate, over 70 to 80 percent, you know, people would die if, once they get it if they haven't been vaccinated. You know, what are the next threats that are looming and how as we as a country can get together to make sure that the integrity of our public health system is built and that there's a strong focus on science, research, causation and medical innovation? Yeah, I don't see equal uh, enthusiasm about trying to investigate adverse reactions from the vaccines. <laughs> I mean, they don't have a report on that. Um, and we we know, but, you know, it's just, it's funny how they target one thing and then use it as a platform to launch all kinds of uh, measures. Um, do you think, now you ran for a Senate, um, will Republicans in Congress, they'll have, you know, take over the House here in a couple of weeks, will they have any power to um, work as a fail-safe here? Well, there's a few things I think that uh, a Republican House can do. Now, the question is, do we have the real leaders that we need? I think we do. Um, and, you know, I think we can have congressional hearings on the origins of COVID. Uh, the other thing is, you know, keep in mind, agencies like the FDA have only been given rise in their authority through the acts of Congress. For example, vaccines. Vaccines or any medical product or any product in interstate commerce is under the Constitution is regulated by Congress. Congress about 100 years ago delegated that authority to the FDA, which means Congress, out of any government body, has oversight over every single medical product uh, and every mask is a medical device. They have the mandate and the oversight to bring FDA to Congress and give them authorities or take away authorities or ask what's happening with those authorities. And that's what I think Congress should be focused on. They should be focused on making sure that our government bureaucrats are held accountable uh, and that we pair back this, this so-called fourth branch of government that's not operating 
operating under uh, the purview of an elected office, right? Dr. Fauci, Dr. Walensky, you know, all of these bureaucrats that seem to be going uh, unaccounted to the political process need to be held back to some kind of oversight body. And that's what I think Congress can do. Get down to the science, make sure decisions are being made, and if they're not, hold these bureaucrats accountable. They have the authority to do that. The question is, do they have the leadership to want to do that? Yeah, well, that is a very big question. So I guess we'll wonder and wait and watch. Well, thank you so much, Rick Mehta, um, who comes with uh, quite a, a great deal of authority on this subject as an attorney, law school professor, pharmacist, biotech engineer, and some background at the consumer safety uh, at the FDA as a consumer safety office officer. Um, Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right. And thank you listeners for tuning in. If you are not already um, and you would like to become a regular subscriber, that way you can get fresh content um, beamed up to your email accounts every day. We have fresh content on free market policy ideas from Monday through Friday on just a wide range of topics from not just healthcare, but climate, governance, and education. Thank you for joining us. And I will have a link in the podcast notes to the long COVID report that we've been discussing. This is Anne-Marie Schieber. 